So functional medicine, we look at the root cause of why someone has a chronic disease or illness. And we dive much deeper in looking at not only lifestyle, which is the, the fundamental basis of it. So looking at sleep, nutrition, exercise, um, relationships, and then trying to see if there's other environmental toxins, genetic underpinnings that could be making the patient ill at that moment. And then look back to see, because we always find that it's compounded. I always find there's so multiple, it's not just one thing typically. And so we see a lot of autoimmune diseases, a lot of gastrointestinal diseases. Um, but a lot of times it could have been trauma earlier in someone's life. And um, then studies are now showing early trauma is increasing the risk of autoimmune diseases later in life. So what we're doing is really um, diving much deeper and, um, and we call it a different lens than what I might have done when I was an internist. You're listening to episode number 109 with Dr. Elizabeth Bradley. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Hey there, and welcome back to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be joined by Dr. Elizabeth Bradley on this episode, who is the current medical director of the Cleveland Clinic's Center for Functional Medicine. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may recall one of my very first podcast episodes, number seven, with Dr. Mark Hyman, who brought functional medicine to the Cleveland Clinic back in 2014. I recently completed an elective rotation there as a resident, and it was amazing to see how the center has continued to grow and evolve over the past five years. Now, Dr. Bradley has served as the medical director of the Center for Functional Medicine for almost two years now, and she's really thriving in her role. She brought with her to this position a wealth of experience as a former dietitian, 20 years of experience as a general internist, and experience as an Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner who practiced functional medicine in a traditional academic primary care setting. Now, Dr. Bradley completed her undergraduate degree in nutrition from Cornell University, and she then pursued a master's in nutrition from Tufts University before working as a clinical dietitian at Massachusetts General Hospital for six years. It was at that time that she decided to pursue further training to become a physician. So she went on to earn her medical degree and complete residency training in internal medicine at Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center, where she then stayed on as a general internist, and she served as a medical director for the 10 years prior to moving to Cleveland. In our conversation, Dr. Bradley and I chat about all things functional medicine, from how her own career path led her to where she is today, how the Center for Functional Medicine has evolved over the past five years and its role in bringing a functional medicine approach to the mainstream through clinical practice, education, and research, and how interested practitioners and patients can become involved in taking this new approach. This was a really fun conversation, and it gives you a little peek into what's happening on the forefront of functional medicine at the Cleveland Clinic. A few quick reminders before we get started. First, this episode is produced by CrossFit Beyond the Whiteboard, the best workout tracking in the biz and the one I've been using since 2009. You can learn more at beyondthewhiteboard.com. Next, if you're enjoying the podcast, please head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. It really does make a difference and it helps to get these episodes out to more listeners. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com. 
Finally, please remember that although I am now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So with that, we'll get started with episode number 109 of Pursuing Health featuring Dr. Elizabeth Bradley. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm really excited to be here with Dr. Elizabeth Bradley, the medical director of the Cleveland Clinic's Center for Functional Medicine. So thank you for joining me. Well, I'm delighted. I'm super excited to talk about the center, um, but I thought maybe we could start with a little bit of your background. Sure. Um, So maybe if you could start off by telling us a little bit about where you grew up, what you were into as a kid, and then what sort of led you towards nutrition. Okay. Um, So I was born in New York and then actually grew up in Rhode Island. Um, and then my parents moved me my senior year back oh. to New York, which was a very that's tough, difficult process. But what I tried to do, I kept think of it as like a little junior college year. Okay, and it actually gave me the opportunity to go to Cornell for nutrition. Oh, and I don't think I would have applied to Cornell yeah. because I was living in Rhode Island and I was looking at Simmons. So there was only oh, so many okay. schools that offered nutrition. Interesting. And um, I always had a love of cooking mm-hmm. and food. And um, and actually, I have to owe it to my mom. She just said, "Well, why don't you look at nutrition?" Hmm. So that was pretty progressive. Yeah, back in the seventies. Oh wow, <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> okay, so. Started in nutrition, and mm-hmm. then um, after college, ended up um, getting my master's at Tufts, okay, the Friedman School of Nutrition, and that was back at the the era when Jean Mayer, who was the president of Tufts, mm-hmm. is a renowned re- nutritionist. Okay, and it was awesome to be at a college where the president of the college is a nutritionist, and then this is a new school that they had developed. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting an. Um, it was an RD internship and master's in okay. um, Tufts, New England Medical Center, and uh, Tufts in uh, University of Medford. And did you always think that you wanted to work directly with patients, or did you not know always. when you started? Okay, Always. And it was funny, because the minute I started my first job, I wanted outpatient okay. nutrition counseling. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so that's what I started. And then progressed to, um, actually was asked to be part of, they had a... Uh, New, uh, eating disorders consultation team and was okay. asked to join that. So once again, those were very complex patients and we were part of a larger team of multidisciplinary people at that mm-hmm. time. So, but then it got to the point where I wanted to take care of more of the patient mm-hmm. and more of the patient. And I kept thinking, you know, do I go to med school or do I not? Do I get a PhD and just mm-hmm. work more on the intellectual kind of study part of nutrition? And that's when my dove in and decided to go to med school. Oh, wow. And so how many years were you in practice as a dietitian before that? So I was six years out. Six years. Okay. And where were you at in life at that point Mm. when you decided to go to med school? Living in Boston. Okay. Yeah. And I was working at Mass General. Okay. um, And ended up going to uh, Dartmouth for med school. Um, and then it became even more complicated with having family and children. Yeah. So did you already have kids before you started at med school or no? Okay. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Got married my third year of med school. I had my son after my fourth year. Okay. Then had my daughter in my internship. Oh my gosh. And ended up doing <laughs> internal medicine. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow. That is amazing. It was busy. I can't even imagine. I mean, I know I have plenty of friends who are having kids in residency, but... 
I don't know. My husband and I just keep saying, well, just one, one more year. We'll just <laughs> wait. And it's, you so know, it's always amazing. busy. Even when you work, it's right. busy. It's, it's never going to be a good time. Exactly. But, um, that's very impressive. Fourth yeah, year and fun. intern year of, of, med, of residency. Wow. So when you went to med school, did you know then you wanted to do sort of internal medicine outpatient setting or not so much? It was actually, I thought pediatrics oh, when okay. I first started. And then I think it wasn't until I started doing more of uh, medicine Mm-hmm. that I actually thought, you know, I want to take care of the whole patient. Mm-hmm. And I just could not hurt the babies. Yeah. I just could not put needles uh, in so their little bodies. And then I just said, I at least I can talk to an adult and reason mm-hmm. with them, mm-hmm. explain, explain why you're yeah, doing this. Exactly. So I, then I said, but because the disease states are different, but parallel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then I was like, okay, now I'm going to go into internal medicine. And I was happy. I was very, I like taking care of the whole patient and being... Uh, the physician for the patients, um, but then mm-hmm. used nutrition right. throughout my right. whole. So patients always felt like they got two for one. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I could talk to you about my diet right. and my health. And so that was always part of my practice, okay. even like back then. Yeah. And what was it like for you? I mean, this is a topic that is talked about a lot now, but what was it like for you going through med school with the knowledge that you already had of nutrition? It was... And easier yeah like gi was easier i got mm-hmm. it um you know i was able to apply so much of nutrition into so many disciplines mm-hmm. endocrinology um with the diabetes and the weight and mm-hmm. um and nutritional aspects so for me it was just um it was so much fun because i had seen so many patients with illnesses so i could apply mm-hmm. exact people that i knew right so that you it already was, had it that made, clinical context <clears throat> made sense that does make sense yeah was it frustrating how little nutrition was talked about or was it I mean I guess since you already had the the understanding you had that background haven't had the background I didn't know how little the people didn't know yeah at at that point Mm -hmm. and what was frustrated is they only focus on the inpatient TPN Mm -hmm. which is important but there's a whole another aspect that people don't even know you know the whole outpatient part right and I think one of the goals I um, had always said is I would love to teach nutrition in medical school someday. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. Let's make that happen. Yeah. Well, we um, did. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, learner, I know. Yeah. It, learner. <laughs> I, it was so interesting because I saw, well, when I was in med school, they had just started the committee to kind of look at our nutrition curriculum. Ah. Um, and then I saw recently that there was a, a publication about kind of some of the changes that had been made. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I know that obviously they're very progressive at learner and trying to incorporate it, but um, it was interesting. There was the, I don't know if you saw it last week, there was a JAMA viewpoint article about nutrition education in med school. I think Walter Willett was one of the authors, but it was a very short sort of viewpoint about why we urgently need to increase our nutrition education in medical schools. And it's just, it's interesting how how slow we are to catch on to the because fact it was that, a similar one not yeah. long ago saying why not you know put that instead of because they're all everyone's vying for time right. in medical school curriculum right. but then saying do we need to have um, so much of oh just pick another I don't want to say biochemistry because that's important to (laughs) functional medicine it's all important that's the hard part right is that there's so much now we know so much that yes you know you could spend 10 years in medical school and still not learn everything so so true yeah 
but obviously nutrition is so foundational. We think it's, (laughs) it should be included. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. So, so after residency, what type of setting did you practice in? So I, um, continued outpatient. So I, I, the only inpatient I did was occasionally having to go and round on weekends, Mm -hmm. but it was um, strictly a hundred percent outpatient. Okay. Internal Mm -hmm. medicine. Yeah. Awesome. And then I know you, um, took on some leadership positions at so, Dartmouth as well. Yep. So I was running a clinic there mm-hmm. and was the medical director at this clinic and um, was part of Dartmouth Hitchcock. It was mm-hmm. in Lyme, New Hampshire. And ironically, we didn't, we did take care of Lyme patients, but <laughs> people called up thinking we were Lyme specialists. <laughs> but it was actually earlier than that. I was in Connecticut when I actually did see a lot of Lyme patients. And I remember one patient of mine um, gave me a book, mm-hmm. and this book was um, written by Jeffrey Blant. Oh, and that's before functional medicine even had a mm-hmm. name, and it was his book on detoxifying. Interesting. And I remember reading it, going, hmm, "This guy's into he's onto something." Yeah. And that was my first parlay into what the field now is called functional okay. medicine. But then got caught up in just just my allopathic medicine mm-hmm. and doing um, taking care of patients and family and children mm-hmm. and husband mm-hmm. and. Went back up to Dartmouth, and that's when I started teaching with the med students and okay. residents, and um, using more and more of nutrition. And that's when I found about functional medicine. Started taking some of the courses in okay. it, you know, the modules, and then that's when I realized, oh my goodness, this finally <laughs> this is exactly what I, I wish it they had a residency sense. in this <laughs> twenty years before. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's so true. That's exactly how I felt the first time that I sort of heard the whole yeah the whole thing laid out in front of me I said wow this is what I've been looking for and for me it was tools because I knew so mm-hmm. much of the information it's like oh my goodness like they actually have like all the diets right they have all the stuff that I could apply for my patients and I started like immediately and it was so much fun wow. and patients were so receptive mm-hmm. even though I, I didn't have to use the word functional medicine I said would you like to try something mm-hmm. different and they'd be like sure, sure. yeah That's and it awesome. worked and so yes. then they were like oh Okay, let's keep doing yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how did you first then, you, you mentioned the book with Dr. Bland. Yeah. But how did you first then come around to finding what is now called functional medicine or getting into the actual training? So it was interesting because um, it was actually a colleague of mine who was an, one of my medical, who was a medical student with me. Okay. She was an OBGYN and she had gone to Bethany Hayes Oh. a lecture in OBGYN okay. and she came back and she just started telling me about this hmm. this whole field mm-hmm. and I went what is she talking about what's functional medicine <laughs> and I started doing my own research and I went then oh. that's like just like it just took off from there you know it's funny because I people say well did you have an illness did you have something that prompted you to go right. into it and um, I was thinking about that earlier and I thought I've had an illness but I didn't <laughs> No functional. I actually had uh, liver cancer, bile duct cancer. Oh wow! When I was forty-five, it was no pretty way. serious, and yeah. um, but it was a surgical cure. Mm-hmm. But I didn't find functional medicine for that because, mm-hmm. as my husband said, you were already drinking green drinks and <laughs> doing those crazy things <laughs> before <laughs> you found yeah. it. <laughs> I know, I know. And trying to eat healthy and exercising right. and yoga. So I was, I've always been doing that. Then, yeah. So it made sense that once it, you, it was a natural progression. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm saying it's sort of like, oh, now there's an actual right. study of the stuff that right. we were, the interest that was um, we were applying back then. 
And for people listening, I think many people who are listening know what functional medicine is, but for those that don't, could you just explain sort of a general overview of what it is and then what, what it was that appealed to you about it when Mm -hmm. you finally found it? So functional medicine, we look at the root cause of why someone has a chronic disease or illness. And we dive much deeper in looking at not only lifestyle, which is the, the fundamental basis of it. So looking at sleep, nutrition, exercise, um, relationships, and then trying to see if there's other environmental toxins, genetic underpinnings that could be making the patient ill at that mm-hmm. moment. And then look back to see, because we always find that it's compounded. I always find there's so multiple, it's not just one thing typically. Mm-hmm. And so we see a lot of autoimmune diseases, a lot of gastrointestinal diseases. Um, but a lot of times it could have been trauma mm-hmm. earlier in someone's life. And um, then studies are now showing early trauma is increasing the risk of autoimmune diseases later in life. Mm-hmm. So what we're doing is really um, diving much deeper and, um, and we call it a different lens than what I might have done when I was an internist. Mm-hmm. And then what's exciting is uh, it's so much fun because I've been here a little over a year and a half and like now a year later, people are coming back and they're like better. And, and I said, <laughs> you mean you can like leave? Like functional <laughs> like better, leave us? <laughs> they're like, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, sort of like they graduated and they're better right. and it was exciting. And then you have others that really have chronic, chronic illnesses that mm-hmm. they need a lot more, mm-hmm. a lot more time. And it takes time. So it's not this simple as taking a pill. Right. I, I just explained that to someone today about um, using sort of like your your curcumin and boswellia and quercetin, you know, for anti-inflammation. I said, yes, you could take an ibuprofen and it'll work within an hour, mm-hmm. but this is, may take a month or two. Yeah. And so things are slower, things take longer, but then the whole process is allowing the body to get back to clinical balance mm-hmm. and um, heal itself and using nutrition really as a basis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so interesting. I draw, I think of a lot of parallels because in, you know, a lot of people listening and myself obviously are in the world of CrossFit. And I think of a lot of parallels between CrossFit and functional medicine. And one of them is that sort of aha moment when you, when you first hear about it. And I, f- I had a very similar feeling when I first heard about CrossFit or went to the CrossFit seminar where they laid out the whole philosophy for me um, as I did when I first heard about functional medicine, because neither of them are necessarily brand new concepts. They're mm-hmm. all, you know, functional medicine is just good, fu- good medicine. And right. it's based on these, these principles that have been around forever, but it's a, a system. Like you said, it's a lens that allows you to actually put this into practice and help make positive mm-hmm. change for patients. And the same thing for CrossFit where they didn't invent exercise, but they packaged it in such a way. And then it makes sense that it's very effective and is helping people. And so I draw a lot of parallels between those. Um, but I felt the same way when I first heard about functional medicine that, that, um, it really, you know, it had, there was all these little pieces that I knew to be true, but there was nothing that really tied it all together. Mm -hmm. And that's what Mm -hmm. I think functional medicine does a really good job of. And I think people have to remember that, um, it's not voodoo science. It's not this strange kind of thing that's out there. You're actually applying all principles of basic healthy prevention, you know, with in terms of nutrition, sleep, eating, taking care of yourself. Right. Right. And we don't, Um, we don't give ourselves permission a lot of times to take care of ourselves. It's so true. Yeah. So true. Um, so then when you are first implementing this in your practice, so I'm guessing you had a, a typical outpatient practice, not very long 
pretty short visits um, relative to what you have now. Um, how did you start to implement functional mm. medicine That's in a, a really traditional outpatient practice? Because it was hard. Um, yeah. So what I tried to do is see patients at the end of my lunch, mm-hmm. like just the beginning of my lunch hour okay. at the end of the day. And I put new patients on typically okay. at the end of the day because they took so much longer. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, because once you become certified, your name gets in the Institute of Functional mm-hmm. Medicine um, directory, you, patients find you. So yeah. I had patients from Vermont, all over New Hampshire coming. And so there weren't that many, there's probably more now, but there weren't mm-hmm. that many um, certified uh, functional medicine mm-hmm. practitioners um, for adults. I mean, there might've been some for sure. pediatrics or for you mm-hmm. know gynecology. Um, and so it was um, hard because I was also the limitations of a large academic institution. Yeah. So I had to definitely work within the mm-hmm. constraints that I could have mm-hmm. with uh, the patients. But we were able to do it because a lot of it was starting basic. Right. The Really basic. The lifestyle. The roots, lifestyle. Yeah. But having the time to dig deeper and find mm-hmm. out what are their, their points that they needed to work on for each person and make it individualized right. enough um, for everyone. And even having that time to spend to talk to people about it and to go through their timeline and to understand why these roots are so important, then they get some buy-in to, to actually mm-hmm. make those changes and put in the hard work. And, uh, and the people were motivated. That's what I found, that mm-hmm. there's a different person that comes to functional medicine. Mm-hmm. They have either exhausted the traditional medicine or they are just looking for something else and more. And I always call it we are adjunctive. Mm-hmm. to the care that they're getting here. Um, but they're definitely motivated. Mm-hmm. They've already definitely. read every book. They've already <laughs> listened to every podcast. Right. They <laughs> right. They're the best patients. Yeah, they are the best because they come in and they've already. Right. I don't have to, I don't have to sell them. Right. Like I don't have to tell them what, what it's all about. Right. Um, yeah, know. it's good. That's good. Um, so eventually then I, you came here to Cleveland in 2017 mm-hmm. Um, but I want to talk a little bit too about the leadership positions that you had before you came and kind of what helped you to do well in those leadership positions and to gain them and why, you know, some of the challenges that you might have had there that then helped you as you've transitioned over here to Cleveland. So when I was at Dartmouth, I was head of their clinic for 10 years. So it was actually quite a long time. And we were the most desirable clinic because we had the longest standing um, physicians, okay. support staff, people loved working there, people loved coming. It was actually mm-hmm. a community mm-hmm. clinic. And um, and I think the uh, hospital administration was very supportive of keeping the clinic going. And you, when you live in a rural town, there's only, only 1,800 people in the town, wow. you know everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I go to the town dump. They know if you go <laughs> you to see the, your patients <laughs> right in the grocery back. store. <laughs> so it's a very small community. Okay. And um, so we, we went through a lot of changes, though. So I went through the changes back when medicine was in RVUs and mm-hmm. you had to have rel- relative value mm-hmm. units. And then we went to um, ACO mm-hmm. and changing um, how, how we do medicine. So those were challenging times. Yeah. But it was actually exciting because uh, there were a lot of positive things we were able to bring to the clinic for the patients mm-hmm. just to make their health better, but also access better for people because people want more of their physician, mm-hmm. especially with time being limited. Though they were still very generous back there mm-hmm. in at Dartmouth. It was every 20 minutes and so, okay. and 40 minutes for um, 
a, uh, like a physical, physical and a 60 minutes for a new patient. So you actually oh, nice. had time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the challenges probably came more when um, they were trying to shift um, the the leadership with having us combined with family mm-hmm. medicine. And okay. some of the internists were not uh, used to having maybe a family medicine doctor be their boss. Oh, uh, okay. And that was maybe above me. Mm-hmm. And I had worked in clinics where there had been family medicine, there had been um, PAs who had done both. Mm-hmm. So I was very comfortable mm-hmm. with the mixing of mm-hmm. different professions mm-hmm. of taking care of the same people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's funny, like the territory that yes. happens. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that was a little rocky for a while. And one one leader left and then another leader came in. So we had definitely a lot of shifting uh, leadership for a while. But, but our clinics stay the same. So for some reason, I think we felt slightly isolated mm-hmm. in a good way. Yeah, you're kind of protected. Very protected, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then you're practicing doing functional medicine with your patients there. How on earth did you end up in Cleveland? <laughs> so this is such a funny story. I've been coming to Ohio for 30 something years. I got okay. married in Ohio. Oh, right. So I had <laughs> you have some two sisters that married two brothers mm-hmm. and they lived here. Then my parents moved here. Okay. And then my sister still has um, a house here. So I've been, as a matter of fact, when I was in college, I would take the bus to Ohio from New York oh. to have holidays because a lot oh, of times okay. we would come here. So it's been a funny, I never thought I'd end yeah. up in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> so when the position opened up, I just actually looked at it and I thought, oh my goodness. <laughs> you know, they wanted someone who had academic experience. They wanted mm-hmm. someone with functional medicine experience, someone who had been leadership experience. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I feel like I have everything. Yeah. This is perfect. Yeah. And I looked at my husband. I said, I'm ready for a change. Both my children had graduated from college. Okay. It was that time in our lives where there was a little bit more freedom. Mm-hmm. And um, and I said, I'm going to apply and just yeah. you know see what it was. But I actually ha- was thinking of it in a bigger way. Like I wanted to help bring this whole movement mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. Wanted to really push functional medicine in an academic institution because we can do it here. Yeah. It's opening up for so many other hospitals and people and places and it's actually allowing functional medicine to be um, accessible to so many people because mm-hmm. we're insurance based versus mm-hmm. um, cash. Mm-hmm. So that's a huge thing. Yeah. Had you tried that where you were to try to share functional medicine with your coworkers or with other departments? And sure, how did yeah. That go? <laughs> well, I actually even went up to the head administration and, okay. and wanted to try to get functional medicine part yeah. of, um, they were developing a wellness center and they weren't ready yet. Mm-hmm. And they financially could not support it. Mm-hmm. So I knew it was not gonna work there. Yeah. Um, and I think um, with coming here, there's been, um, such a welcoming of patients who want it that that mm-hmm. uh, the administration even here could not ignore how yeah. how much demand there is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the colleagues, when I was at Dartmouth, they first just raised their eyebrows because they had no idea what <laughs> I was doing, but they knew I was a nutritionist, so mm-hmm. they, knew, they knew that I was a good internist, mm-hmm. so they trusted. Right what I was doing. And then they actually just started referring mm. because there are patients that said, well, can I see Dr. Bradley for functional medicine? Yeah. And so that became a wave where also internally, at least in my clinic, that people were comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. And um, 
but it never really got much further and infiltrated the major, I don't think, um, hospital because by then I had left. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I came here. So now that's my job here. <laughs> so now that's, that's what we're working on. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and had you followed much prior to that, had you followed much of what was happening here um, when the center opened? It had been open for a couple of years and mm-hmm. um, they've obviously have the partnership with IFM, but um, had you, had you been kind of following what was going on and been thinking about it even before that job posted or? Um, when they, before they actually posted the job, they had been asking for, okay, you know, physicians to come and work. And right. I thought, well, I'm, that's what I'm doing. Like, I don't need right. to it wouldn't be so different. leave mm-hmm. for that. And, um, and, and then when the medical director position opened, I said, you know what? That makes this more sense. This is like doing functional, really doing functional medicine a hundred percent, but also bringing that whole next level mm-hmm. and, um, bringing it out in the forefront. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was enough just to you know, want me to join on the bandwagon and, and help them here. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Um, and, and so how do you think here now, I guess we're, we're what, four and a half years, almost five years since In, it's been the, open. Going into the fifth, yeah. Going into the fifth year. Um, how has, has the center evolved mm-hmm. over those five years and kind of where are we at now in terms of that mission that you're talking about. Sure. I mean, in the very beginning, I don't know if you saw the, um, where they, the oh, first yes. location. Yes. <laughs> it was tiny. It only had a couple of doctors and, yes. um, and one nutritionist. And it was tiny, but it was, and they were busy because the demand so was busy. so yes. enormous. The wait list was just crazy. Oh, 3,000 yeah. plus, I mean, if not more. And they started um, some randomized controlled trials and they've been doing research and um, and it's just expanded from like two physicians to like now we have 11 providers, wow. which includes so, you know, APPs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, physicians and um, six nutritionists and health coaches. So it's really expanded uh, to the, our new space here, mm-hmm. 1700 square feet, yeah, absolutely beautiful. gorgeous and beautiful, yeah. And we've really, um, uh, embraced shared medical appointments. So, mm-hmm. for example, we're um, doing a functioning for life, which is a ten-week program, focusing on lifestyle. Uh, we have a lot of our health coaching involved mm-hmm. in that, and nutritionist, and and um, the groups are great from weight to diabetes to digestive diseases, mm-hmm. cognitive pain, um, and we also have a shared medical appointment with a ketogenic, mm-hmm. doing it the functional medicine way. So right. it's not like laden with a lot of butter and dairy Bacon. and whatnot. So <laughs> <Yes>. it's <laughs> a healthy version yes. of, uh, of the ketogenic diet. So that that has just exploded. Then they also reached, um, branched out in 2016 to Chagrin Falls. Okay. And then as of January, we're also branched out to the other family health mm-hmm. centers in Lakewood and in Avon. Mm-hmm. So there's been incredible demand for other departments to also get us involved and collaborate everything from mm-hmm. geriatrics to digestive diseases, um, neurology within the neuro, um, Neurological Institute with brain health. So it just keeps Keeps coming and opening and pain management. So there's a lot of people that are recognizing certain areas of functional medicine, how how they could be so much beneficial Mm -hmm. for patients. Yeah. And we were talking earlier before we started recording just about sort of what makes 
some people so open and receptive to functional medicine or to a new concept in medicine versus some people that are very resistant. And I, I know I've experienced this, I think back when the center first opened, I remember I was a med student and I would be nervous to even bring it up on you know rounds or with other residents or attendings because I didn't know which direction it was going to go and what their sort of gut reaction would be. Um, and I think you, we, you find that there's certain, you mm-hmm. found certain allies here. There are definitely certain people and departments that have been very receptive and want to collaborate and refer patients sure. or, or do things. And then there's obviously others that are still kind of thinking it's this quote unquote woo woo thing or don't fully understand. And, and I think it's just such a tough thing. And I'm wondering how you navigate that or how you, how you approach talking to someone else here at the clinic or in a meeting or someone who doesn't quite understand it or is, is opposed or doesn't, doesn't quite understand the value of it. Mm -hmm. And how do you try to help them understand it and bring them around to being a little more open-minded? Um, I, I always come from the standpoint of that we're nutrition based mm-hmm. and uh, I think people are finally recognizing mm-hmm. that how valuable nutrition is mm-hmm. to our basic health mm-hmm. and um, and then from there explain and then bringing in the whole lifestyle component and people who are open are people who are also um, I find willing to look at new models of healthcare. Mm-hmm. And new models of getting patients better, um, because we were talking about like this medical home yes. kind of model where that's what we're creating here. We have nutritionists and health coaches and behavior health, and we work together in collaboration. I'm, I can do a lot of that, but mm-hmm. actually they're better at it than I am. So mm-hmm. the nutritionist can, has even more information, and the health coaches and the behavior health. Mm-hmm. So I think our collaboration just makes the patient that much better and the touch points that we offer um, is getting the patient on the right path. And eventually the patient can then start taking care of themselves because mm-hmm. they have the tools and they know what they need to do. Um, I'm, I think as we start doing more and more research and a lot of it is uh, the unknown. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know what it is. They don't understand what right. it is. So I usually always start with nutrition and that we're adjunctive care. We're not, there's always a feeling of threat that we're going to do something harmful to mm-hmm. the patient and we're not taking over necessarily the patient's care. I mean, there are definitely are some providers outside of the Cleveland Clinic that are doing primary care functional mm-hmm. medicine, and that's totally different than mm-hmm. what we're doing. We're a consultative service here. Mm-hmm. And eventually the patients, like I had said, they actually do get better and they yeah. graduate and move on. Yeah. Um, and some people need a lot of a lot of um, touch points and other people don't need as many. Mm-hmm. It depends on where they're coming in and, and their actual medical condition because some of them are, are actually very ill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting. That's another one of the parallels that I find between functional medicine and CrossFit where there's, when it's so relatively unknown, there can be a lot of misconceptions where people, maybe they've heard about one aspect of it or um, they've seen something about it or heard something from a friend and it's not the whole picture and they don't have a full understanding and then often it can have this very strong reactions one way or another um, when it comes up but yes it's it's, yeah, it's, it's always yeah, yeah. it's always interesting the things that I think <clears throat> I think we we're lucky to have this viewpoint that you know we've gone through IFM training or we've seen the power that functional medicine can have in a patient's 
experience. Um, and kind of once you see that, whether it's with a patient or I know we talked earlier about how a lot of providers have had their own personal experience mm-hmm, and that's what mm-hmm. kind of led them into functional medicine. But once you see that power, it's hard to ignore it right. and makes you want to kind of learn more and dig in. So, and cause you see people get better. Mm-hmm. Right. And especially the people who have been trying multiple different things that haven't been working. And then finally, they're able to get better. It's it's wonderful. Really wonderful. Or they have their aha moment. Right. Of, okay, now I know why mm-hmm. I've been having these problems. Mm-hmm. And then they can actually sort of really address it themselves too. And they're willing to um, address a lot of the emotional aspects mm-hmm. of their illness, not only the physical, but the emotional part. And mm-hmm. I think that's critical. And sometimes even as much as good as I thought I was an internist, you didn't have time. Mm-hmm. You didn't have time to dive into it. Right. It's amazing yeah. how powerful that can be, just the extra time. Mm-hmm. And, the, and what we ask. So, mm-hmm. for example, um, we, it's almost like a 19-page questionnaire. Yes. <laughs> Everything from what they were like before they were born and mm-hmm. asking their mom and dad and uh, every childhood illness and antibiotics and stories and really diving so much deeper mm-hmm. into their medical history because it actually explains why they are the mm-hmm. way they are right today. Right. And to have them understand it. So it's not like this black box that their healthcare actually makes sense of why they're feeling the way they are. Mm-hmm. So, right. And things that you would never have time for in a, even, I mean, I guess maybe in a 60 minute first visit appointment, but that would still be pushing it. I think doing that homework ahead of time and having all that information that the patient fills yes. out ahead of time is so helpful in using that um, living matrix. But but it is, I think, so powerful. You know, one of the tools in functional medicine is this timeline, like you said, going from before birth mm-hmm. until now. And I've seen patients, when you go through that and you put it up in front of them, it's that aha moment more often than not. It's happened today. This patient looked at their whole thing and I said, could you figure out like a trigger? And they went, that was it. There it is. That was my trigger. That's exactly it. My father got ill Mm -hmm. with rheumatoid arthritis. Our whole family crashed. Mm -hmm. And she just went, right. Like goosebumps because she just went, that was it. And then once, yeah, there's so much power just in having that moment. Yeah. And knowledge. Mm -hmm. It's validation. Um, So you mentioned the research and that I think is another huge part of moving this forward and helping it to be more accepted in, you know, the conventional world. Um, We talked a little bit about different types of research and how how functional medicine is evidence-based, even though that's maybe one of the arguments that people will have against it, that Mm -hmm. it is evidence-based. It's not always based on huge randomized controlled trials, but, but what is some of the evidence that you are working on trying to generate here um, to study sure, this. Sure, So they have two randomized controlled trials right now. One okay. is a diabetes and the other one is an asthma. Okay. Um, and those are continuing on mm-hmm. through the end of this year. Uh, it's funny you were talking about that in terms of like, we know that there's evidence mm-hmm. and, you know, for example, we know that there's evidence to use vitamin D mm-hmm. for something, but there may not be a evidence for a study that said functional medicine and vitamin D. And so I think that's what's a misconception with a lot of um, individuals and physicians when they look at functional medicine, they want to see that word. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't see any studies that have the labeling of it. Um, But we are doing another uh, study, Total Cost of Care, and that's going to be published probably in the next couple of months. Oh, good. And also we look at Promise Score, so that's going to be being published also. Wow. 
Um, we have a study with Dr. Levy oh, okay. in urology, and he's going to be looking at the genetic change within the cancer cells um, on a functional medicine-like program. Okay. Um, and there's a couple of others. I think if there's another. Oh, and then um, actually rheumatology. They did a retrospective chart review and actually did show mm -hmm. the trend of functional medicine improving with like a, a rheumatoid and psoriatic type of arthritis. Okay. And they want to do a, a much larger study to actually show that. So there's been some real great things. It takes a while. Yeah. Yeah. Research yeah, doesn't I, happen overnight. <laughs> oh my goodness. But that's so exciting. Um, and so it's so interesting too what you say about, you know, a lot of these things have been studied independently, but now putting it all together into this sort of black box of functional medicine care and looking at how the bigger outcomes, things like cost and promise scores and yeah, and um, is this actually making an impact on patients' quality of life? And I think it's, it's hard um, because functional medicine isn't just one right. diet, one supplement right. one um, modality it's a combination of many different things and each person is so individualized mm -hmm. uh, that it is hard but we are going to try to do another study looking at digestive diseases and okay. something very similar and try to be very um like a, a dietary supplemental protocol okay and we're going to do that approach also so there's a lot of exciting things that we're looking at mm -hmm. uh to show because we see it on an individual basis but we always you know the number of n1 isn't enough right and we want to be able to really show it in a larger groups right. and actually that's what our ffls are showing are functioning for life mm -hmm. patients are doing better their um their promise scores are improving their A1C is improving. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, the weight's coming down if they're there for that reason. So uh, patients are just so ecstatic mm -hmm. to be in the group. I just finished a ketogenic group, mm -hmm. and they want to start their own Facebook page, uh, and they're calling each other up to yes. help each other. It's just a wonderful group, group. The dynamic of the group, I cannot um, so emphasize. Powerful. Yeah, it it's is so, so powerful. powerful. Yeah. And it's, it's true. I mean, can you just talk a little bit about that, like how the group works and what are some of the advantages that you found from the group visits versus sure. the individual appointments? So we always tell the patient that the visit happens right then and there mm -hmm. with everyone. And if I'm thinking of a question, someone else is probably thinking the same thing. Or mm -hmm. what we found is someone was a little bit more experienced, let's say, with doing ketogenic mm -hmm. and they were able to even teach the other person okay. or share the best practice that they have found. Mm -hmm. And so all of a sudden people are learning from each other mm -hmm. and then they are all there for the same purpose and same reason. So it's not often you have in life 10 individuals all in one room, right. same purpose, same exact thing, especially with medicine. Cause mm -hmm. sometimes you're going through, um, kind of sometimes with an illness of your own and like your family members don't mm -hmm. have it and mm -hmm. especially we have a lot of digestive diseases Crohn's and IBD and they're in a group together with other people mm -hmm. we had this one individual who was driving all the way from Indianapolis wow every week oh my for goodness. 10 weeks because he found a group of mm -hmm. people that he could share with they all shared their emails they were going to share them afterwards mm -hmm. because they they did everything from recipes to, well, what have you done to help with this? And what have yeah. you done about that? And meditation and stress reduction is huge mm -hmm. in this in this whole group. And they were helping each other with that. That's so amazing. I think it's great. It's I come so out of better. there so energized yeah. because the energy oh of individuals and groups are it's 
just wonderful. It's amazing. We had started, we have just one group visit in our practice in family medicine for chronic pain. And I find it's the most, I walk out of that visit more energized than any other clinic day because it's just a great sharing. And you, you honestly, as the, the physician in the room, I hardly say anything because the patients are helping each other way more than I could ever help them because you know, who wants to hear about meditating and eating healthy from their doctor when they could hear about someone who's going through the exact same thing. I did it and said, this is how I did it. That's exactly right. Yeah. So that's amazing. And I sat through several of the groups when I was here rotating and it was the same, just seeing how the patients are able to help each other. It's really powerful. I had one individual that, um, he had been doing the keto, had already lost a hundred pounds. Oh my goodness. And, but he needed to lose more. And so had another male individual in the group who, hadn't really gotten out to the diet part yet. Mm-hmm. He was learning, was mm-hmm. taking the information in, and he was just like, oh, I don't know. Well, this individual, he gave him his phone number. He said, if you want to call me, call mm-hmm. me. He called him up, and he just got him so motivated, wow. started the diet. <laughs> Literally within three days of starting, he came in for his next week's appointment, mm-hmm. and his attitude had turned 100 degrees. That's he was amazing. so enthusiastic, had a smile. He was, he looked better. Mm-hmm. I, he said he just felt like a light. That's like for him, yes. that aha moment or something happened, went on, and he was just like yes. diving right into it. So it's so great. But it had to be someone in the group that was right. really motivating him and be there supporting them. So. Right. Yeah, it's good. And it's true. We talk so much about how important community and relationships are for our health. And and in healthcare in general, we don't have, I mean, you have a relationship with your doctor, but there's, we're kind of missing that. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about group visits is it allows at least one place where you can build community or help people develop relationships. And people who've um, never been through it after mm-hmm. they've gone through it, they're very enthusiastic. They just mm-hmm. said... I wasn't sure what to um, expect mm-hmm. and anticipate. And it actually gave them more than they even thought because afterwards they just felt, oh my gosh, I could I could just be myself. I just right. talk about my health. And I can have a, have a doctor there for almost an hour. Like mm-hmm. how often do you get to have a doctor for an hour? Right. <laughs> Rarely. Right. Yeah, it's crazy. Every week. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it gives you, I think, a great way to introduce things slowly versus, you know, where you, where you have those touch points every single week versus seeing someone telling, you know, starting meditation and a diet and all these different things and then seeing them, you know, months later. Julie, that is so important. Yeah. And we have heard people say that over and over and over again because there's almost information overload because mm-hmm. they're only there for that time. And they get information from me and from the dietitian and from the health coach. Whereas this, you're right. They're given pieces of information. And if they aren't quite there the next week, they Mm -hmm. could ask. And then the following week they could ask Mm -hmm. and they know that they have that opportunity. Right. Yeah. That's so important. So valuable. We forget that what patients learn 10% of, oh, here 10% of what you tell them in a visit. Right. And, um, yeah. And we, we have them so infrequently normally in our practice. So, Yeah. yeah. Um, how do you think you mentioned how, how functional medicine is a consultative service here? Um, do you think, what do you think is the role for functional medicine on a larger scale in a primary care setting or in a more population health setting? Sure. Um, for example, I I think the shared medical appointments would be so spot on Mm -hmm. with population health because what do you, you're taking care of a large group of people with similar chronic diseases and getting everyone healthy. And it's actually 
so many other positive things besides physical. It's the mental health that you're mm -hmm. helping with. Um, I think definitely functional medicine can be utilized in, um, I think, a primary care setting. You know, you have some patients who just want to feel better. Mm -hmm. And so just implementing lifestyle changes and mm -hmm. having the tools to be able right. to do that. Um, the more difficult patients with uh, cardiovascular disease and diabetes, they also would benefit. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's easy to marry the two of them. Mm -hmm. um, and time might be a constraint mm -hmm. for some practices. Mm -hmm. But if you have enough um, support and be able to bring patients back in mm -hmm. and maybe even have like more of your group so that a lot of the information you're talking about. Right. Is and we that found that setting? even with our FFLs, a lot of people, um, we call it the noise. We get the noise all out of the way mm -hmm. after 10 weeks because they've taken care of themselves so that there's a, some tweaking that needs to be done, but it's right. not as intense, if, right. you know. So I definitely think, especially population health, utilizing this would be so wonderful. Right. So you can think if, like you said, that noise, if you could get everyone at least to have some big rocks in place, like the nutrition and the sleep and the stress yep. management and some basic movement to get those things in place a majority of people are probably going to be feeling great yeah. <laughs> at that point. And then there's that small percentage of people that mm -hmm. will still need additional work or to look under, you More know, intense. different rocks and find what else might be contributing. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Uh, because I was able to do that in my, because mm -hmm. I did actually shared um, medical oh, diabetic awesome. appointments okay. when I was back at Dartmouth. And it was funny because that's when we first started doing population health. Mm -hmm. And they just said, well, come up with anything you want mm -hmm. to like to take care of your patients. And I thought, oh, anything? <laughs> I said, sure. And it was so much fun. And oh, I was able awesome. to um, start the shared medical appointments back then. So, Well, I hope they just continue to grow. I think they're so I, powerful. Oh, I think they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are so powerful. I think, I think everyone has to really understand it yes. um, and listen to we I so there's so many patients I said can I like quote you what you've said because your like your affidavit was I just know. so in, such an endorsement <laughs> I have one patient you'll love it the guy that was the keto group so there's not a lot of supplements that they have but a basic you know vitamin mm -hmm. maybe fish whatever you know we had recommended he got himself his own um, vacuum pack to put all his supplements for twice a day because he travels. Oh yeah, so, so he's two prepared. times a month he sets them all up and he was showing me his like lunch and his breakfast packs he oh, takes with him. So organized, and I was so organized. <laughs> I said, "You're so enthusiastic." He goes, "I love this." <laughs> wow, oh, that's amazing. It was great. Yeah, that's so awesome. it was fun. <laughs> um, you, I had mentioned we talked a little bit about kind of leadership and and now being at the Cleveland Clinic and now you're in this role where you're interacting with other departments mm -hmm. and kind of interfacing. What are we doing here in functional medicine and how can we best collaborate? And what has that experience been like? What have been some of the challenges sure. um, since you've been here? Um, so it's it's been, uh, it's, a, it's an educational component. It's, mm -hmm. it's interesting because I just um, presented to many leaders here and I said, you probably are a little confused on what's integrative, what's alternative, yeah. what's complementary, what's functional medicine. Let's actually answer that question because I think so many people have that. <laughs> and, and I, I kind of stepped through them. I said, it's almost like a Venn diagram where mm -hmm. there's such an overlap, um, but looked at it like, 
you know, an uh, integrative does use some modalities, like they may refer to acupuncture, um, which also is like complementary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, but also there may be in complementary, you know, traditional Chinese mm-hmm. um, medicine, whereas functional medicine is looking at more diet, lifestyle, root cause analysis, and environment and mm-hmm. genetics. So it's more, and it does tend to apply to more chronic disease management. Mm-hmm. So there's definitely overlap, but they don't all have the same exact discipline, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, and so part of, I feel like I'm still at the very beginning of trying to explain even who we are, because mm-hmm. some people have heard of us and some people have never heard of us. Mm-hmm. And then someone said, well, why haven't we heard of you? I, <laughs> right. Well, you, you should be out there more. I said, well, I'm seeing patients. Like, <laughs> we're trying, yeah, we're doing right. all these things. Yeah. And um, so, uh, so, but the people who I think are um, not as receptive have been, uh, I think, misinformed. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we just have to keep getting the message out and mm-hmm. that we're here number one uh nutrition based Mm -hmm. adjunctive care to regular care i'm I'm not going to take somebody off a biologic or Mm -hmm. in rheumatology and we want to work collaborative collaboratively with all the different Mm -hmm. subspecialties that are here um and i think once they start having patients come through and then they're coming back to Mm -hmm. the subspecialties especially or even internal medicine and, and family medicine they're getting good positive results mm-hmm. and the patient's getting better. And I kept on saying, I said, wait, your patient's A1C will get better. Their blood pressure will get better. It's only going to make your job easier. Right. <laughs> You're going to have to see them less often. That's so right. Yeah. Exactly. But if you have to have a medication taken off, check with your physician. I'm not going right. to take you off of your medication. So I think um, the, the leaders are definitely uh, are much more receptive mm-hmm. um, because we were first just this startup, innovative mm-hmm. little practice right. that they didn't know what we were because we were just quiet. Just he, out, he did, yeah. yeah, busy seeing patients. But now um, I think they're much more aware of who we are. We just did a CME mm-hmm. um, educational conference on supplements, and that was very well received because mm-hmm. people have misconceptions, once again, about supplements. And we don't push pills, and we mm-hmm. don't keep people on pills forever. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, our dietitians are wonderful in being able to do the transferring over mm-hmm. of if I start someone on a probiotic and now mm-hmm. it's time for them to transition, what foods can they um, implement yes. that are that are going to give the same kind of natural right. um, ingredients that you want. So it's been a, it's a nice blend. It's mm-hmm. a nice blend. So because we're filling in where there's nutritional deficits mm-hmm. and then the body starts actually getting better. Right. People are very malnourished even though they look normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. but with real nutrients. Yeah, exactly. So true. But it's ju- that's a great point about the supplements because I think that is one of those misconceptions that people have. It's like, oh, I'm just going to get this huge list of supplements or you're going to make my patients buy all these supplements when, you know, it's not forever. It's there's, you know, they're very specifically chosen to target for a targeted correct. period of time. And I think we all believe that food is the best medicine and mm-hmm. ultimately that's where we should be getting our nutrients from. But but sometimes when people are in this sort of crisis mode, that can help in the short term. Sure, definitely. And um, I keep on telling patients, like, this is for three months. This mm-hmm. is for six months. This is just for one month and then mm-hmm. stop um, so th- that they understand that it's not forever. Right. And, um, and, and they actually 
little by little, they start realizing, okay, this is actually working. I had a patient today. She was so funny. She was like, you know what? This glutathione, I, I feel so much better taking it. <laughs> and then I looked at her because we were talking about, about her detoxification pathways and where mm-hmm. she needs help. And she noted right away she felt better. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's funny. Once you become more tuned with your body, yes. you probably saw that with CrossFit. Like when yes. you're really in tune with your Mm-hmm. tweaks and aches or whatever or things that your body needs mm-hmm. it's the same thing with nutrition you know what feels good and what doesn't feel good in mm-hmm. in your body yes and i want to bring it back just for one minute about the complementary alternative or okay yeah. integrative functional um because i think that's a point that people still are are very confused about and and so i don't know the best kind of the way that you think about it i like to think about it as at least in terms of integrative and functional, functional, mm-hmm. the names are a little confusing because in, in reality, functional medicine should integrate with all other medical care. And that's what I, what I like about it is it, it takes the best of every type of medicine, mm-hmm. but it starts with the roots. Um, but for me, functional medicine is more of a framework or just a way to approach the patient or the symptoms starting with those roots. Um, Whereas at least in my experience, integrative medicine is often providing different types of treatments um, to symptoms, but they're not, it doesn't seem to always look so far at the roots. It's like a root cause. And they, they find, they have different modalities mm-hmm. to, f- to figure out. Like they may address sleep or if the patient has pain, it's going to mm-hmm. go to acupuncture. They may have some supplements. Um they don't spend as much, I don't think, time with the nutrition mm-hmm. part component. And then diving deeper, yeah. They don't have the, the systems-based biology that, as you said, functional right, medicine so. is the framework of finding. Because when we find people have the clinical imbalances within the systems, mm-hmm. that's what we're trying to achieve is getting balance back. Mm-hmm. Which I kind of find... I've seen different analogies, but where you think about, okay, so for depression in a conventional medical setting, you might get an SSRI and maybe in an integrative medical setting, you might get St. John's wort or you might get, you know, I don't know. I don't know if acupuncture is the best application, mm-hmm. but you might get some other type of modality. Whereas in functional medicine, it's more about asking the question, why do you have these symptoms? Why do you have the depression trying to address that? Well, in the meantime, you may also use an SSRI or you may also use St. John's wort in the short term Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. while you're trying to address those roots. And look and see, is it the gut microbiome? Right. Yeah. Is it malnutrition? Are they not not supplying enough nutrition for the neurotransmitters? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's still it's still always it's, confusing. It's, I amor- think. it's amorphous, <laughs> and it's so it's not like you could just say, "Well, they have hypertension; you put them on a pill," and that's what I do in my right. hypertension clinic. Right. Um, get them to lose weight, maybe cut out salt. But whereas functional medicine is so um, intertwined with those clinical imbalances right. between the immune system our detoxification system, our hormonal, Mm -hmm. our digestive system, the mitochondria. So we're looking at all the different Mm -hmm. systems of the body, the biological systems, and trying to achieve the best um, balance within each of them. Because not everybody has the same imbalance. Right. That's what's so much Right, is someone who has the same symptom but completely different underlying imbalances. Or you may have this one underlying imbalance that's causing six different symptoms. That's exactly right. 
And you have to, that's part of the fun of functional medicine, I think. It's actually detective it work. It is. You have to really it is. ask the right questions and yes. get a framework of what's happened to that person to get them to this point right mm -hmm. now. What's your favorite aspect about practicing functional medicine? Probably work, working with the patients. Mm -hmm. That is the best. Um, when they're telling you their symptoms and they are feeling so bad and no one's been able to help them. Mm -hmm. And you're listening to their whole story and all of a sudden you get it. Mm -hmm. You know exactly what happened, mm -hmm. why it happened, and how you can bring them forward. It's, it's so rewarding mm -hmm. because for the first time they're looking at you going, this doesn't sound like strange and right. odd. I'm like, no, <laughs> no it all makes before. sense. <laughs> <laughs> and to give them some hope that yes. it's going to get oh, oh, the hope part is the best because yeah. sometimes I don't want to say we're the last stop, mm -hmm. but sometimes we are. Sometimes we're the first mm -hmm. because they have heard mm -hmm. about it and they've been um, exposed, but some people haven't until they've reached enough uh, roadblocks that they realize they have. there has to be someone out there, someplace out there. Mm-hmm. And the good part is I think the Cleveland Clinic has great visibility. Mm -hmm. So it's allowed um, patients to be able to find us sooner right. than if we were um, in a very, very small little town somewhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, what advice would you give to a patient who's interested in functional medicine or taking this approach? A patient? Yes. Like someone who, who maybe is listening. Maybe they don't live in Cleveland, oh. but they... You know, they're saying, hey, this makes a lot of sense. How should I try this for my own health? So I probably would first have them try to seek out a functional mm -hmm. medicine practitioner in their town or, um, you know, you could go to the Institute of Functional Medicine and find mm -hmm. practitioners that are in your state. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can contact them that way because they have a whole listing of them. And um, ideally but trying to find someone who's certified mm -hmm. because you know that at least they've gone through a certain amount of training mm -hmm. and um, and they're applying the principles. That's what we're actually going to try to work with the Institute of Functional Medicine to try to create a standardization of okay. um, applying and uh, using functional medicine in, in the community, in mm -hmm. the practice, so that everybody is following a certain, mm -hmm. not the same guidelines, but mm -hmm. at least a guide. Right, a little yeah. bit of a guide. Yeah. I think that's great. How about advice for um, practitioners who maybe are listening and they're interested, thinking about getting involved in functional medicine? Then you have sure. to. <laughs> <laughs> if you're thinking about it, then you have no choice. <laughs> and, and the best part is to start with, um, the Institute of Functional Medicine has a wonderful listing in their calendar of, of modules and they have the five-day AFMCP. Mm -hmm. They do it virtually, which I think is wonderful for um, practicing yes. physicians because you could do it on your off time. But you will just be so enthralled, and it'll be for the first time you'll just say, this totally makes sense. Because mm -hmm. I used to say this years ago when I would be seeing patients. I would, I would just think, I know there's something else I could do, but I don't know yes. what it is I could help them with. Yes. And all of a sudden, all the, these answers were coming through, and sure enough, they were found through functional medicine. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think there's, um, there's many books out there. Mm -hmm. um, as I said, I said, one day I want to write the book, uh, Functional <laughs> Medicine, the Cleveland Clinic way. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that would be fun. Um, but I think um, they could come here. Mm -hmm. They could do a rotation here. Mm -hmm. um, they can do a site visit. They could stay for a month. We have many people from all over the world mm -hmm. who come here. You came as a resident. Yes. Yeah. 
And we have medical students. I have a medical student right now who's mm -hmm. uh, rotating through here. So I think it's great exposure if you can shadow and see someone. As a matter of fact, the Institute of Functional Medicine just initiated a mentoring program. Mm -hmm. So if you've um, gone through yes, some I of your mm -hmm. um, modules, but you need just more help doing mm -hmm. it in the clinic, mm -hmm. you can um, align yourself with a mentor. And that's a wonderful way to do it because there's we're such a new field and it's mm -hmm. not like there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people who right. are certified. So I think that's a way for um, uh, to have a touch base and to have guidance in Definitely. doing the functional medicine. I think about it like with my CrossFit analogies for people listening, the difference between following the CrossFit dot com website and doing the workouts in your garage versus going into a CrossFit affiliate and seeing it done in practice. It's like once you go through, spend some time in the clinic and you see how it's done day to day and you watch the patients go through, it's very eye opening and it makes it makes so much sense to see it put into practice. Oh, yeah. And we've got such a set, great setup here. Oh, my gosh. It's amazing. <laughs> it's it's ideal. I've not seen collaboration like this anywhere else. It's so great the way that everyone works together and you really do have a whole team approach. Oh, it's wonderful. I mean, I rely on the nutritionists. I rely mm -hmm. on the health coaches and the behavior therapists because I need the I need the help. Yes. I need the help for my patients. It's wonderful. Definitely. Yeah, yeah it's great. What is your vision for the Center for Functional Medicine? Maybe in the next, we're coming up on five years, so the next five years. Um, I see more research coming out of here. Um, ideally, I want a fellowship. Mm. And so we're trying, um, getting applications mm -hmm. forward for that and getting that to be part of the training so that, um, you know, you can, ha and that would be part of going through the whole Institute of Functional Medicine training and mm -hmm. you come out with um, being certified and bringing functional medicine to more academic institutions. Um, I'd love, we're, we're looking at mm -hmm. um, Abu Dhabi, but I'd love to get us in Florida. Toronto, we have a relationship there, but I think uh, there's so many Cleveland Clinic sites mm -hmm. that I could see us um, helping other uh, specialists, especially yes. family medicine internists, incorporating this into their practice. Mm -hmm. I'd love to see more of these FFLs out in the community. Yes, at the at the community based, and even we're talked about. You don't necessarily need a physician all the time running them. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we could start um, yes. having more peers teaching it mm -hmm. and having it reach and touch more lives. Because um, that's what kind of like what the Daniel Plan did. Mm -hmm. It was uh, the parishioners that were right. teaching each other. Um, so I, I see definitely continuing. Um, we have started teaching in the medical school, being a more integral part of it. Okay. Um, I think it would be lovely yeah. because I think the uh, younger generation is so much more open. So much more. And they see um, the benefit of things. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I, I see the changes occurring, I think, much more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Quickly. What are some of the ways you've been involved in the medical school? So, um, yeah, we've been able to teach um, nutrition-focused physical exam last year, oh, and this year awesome. it was teaching uh, more of uh, vitamins and minerals. Okay. And so, uh, part of that was to help them because mm -hmm. they're going to be taking their boards. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. That's the nutrition that you get asked about on your boards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, that's going to be helpful, but try to bring it in, in present yes. day. And it was yes. interesting because I was even able to um, talk to some of the medical students about, you may hear about Wernicke's Korsakoff, but... Mm -hmm. I've seen it, and you will see it one day. So it's a real, it's a real phenomenon. It, yeah, yeah. And think of, always put that in the back of your head about different, you know, disease states. I said I even mm -hmm. saw um, 
a ballerina in Boston, and she uh, was an anorexic, mm-hmm. and she had um, pyridoxine deficiency, and oh. she was wheelchair-bound wow. because of the damage to her peripheral nervous system and her nerves. Wow. And people, we don't think about this mm-hmm. because we think it's third-world right. problems in terms of vitamin deficiencies, but nowadays people are. There. yeah. yeah. So anyway, so this that's part okay. of the teaching that we're doing there. And then the medical students, having them come here and mm-hmm. do rotations here would be wonderful. Mm-hmm. That would be um, And also, I think we're getting ourselves involved more, um, hopefully, with the curriculum with um, uh, the primary care residency program. Okay through yes ohio oh, university ohio university mm-hmm. yeah so that the residents also will have sort of like a thread mm-hmm. of um, both integrative i believe and functional medicine okay. so that will be fun that's amazing yeah very good because then if they know it then they could spread the word and right. then it's uh sort of a domino effect yes definitely yeah. Well, I'm very excited for all of this. <laughs> um, I wanted to finish with three questions that I ask everyone on the podcast. Um, so the first one is three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. So the first is sleep. Mm-hmm. I need my sleep. And actually, you, uh, you, when you were laughing about me in residency and having children mm-hmm. in medical school, I basically slept eight hours a day. And yeah. I have always, unless I was I'm up all night. I'm the same way. I, like, I need the sleep. I love my sleep. I prioritize it over yep. Yeah, that's else. one. And so the other is, um, as far as nutrition, I love my, some type of shake in the morning, mm-hmm. no matter what it is. I change it up because I okay. get bored. Do you have um, favorite ingredients or? Um, always some type of berry, either a blueberry, strawberry, okay. um, either an almond butter or MCT oil. Mm-hmm. Um and then now in acaya berry, you know, oh, so I'm always nice. adding like dip powder, different things. Yes. So it's greens. I always throw something green in there. Yes. It looks disgusting. And my husband can't believe I drink it, but, but it's <laughs> such a good way to start the day. It's Get great. so many nutrients right so off the bat. That's two. And then the third is trying to get some exercise. Mm-hmm. And that's probably the biggest challenge. Um, yeah. Now that I'm working <laughs> with this capacity. So that's my, that's my goal. Try to every day get something in. Yes. You I'm going to have to try CrossFit. I've never yes. done that. Oh my I gosh. Know. I know. You should come. We'll show you. I know. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite type of exercise or things that you do I regularly? I love hiking. Yes. And, you know, we ha- I have a 20-acre horse farm in New mm-hmm. Hampshire. And there's lots of hills. Yes. And there's and there's lots of fields. And I usually love hiking there. But here, it'd be more yoga and just my walking. Yep. As much walking as I can get yep. in. And then my weights at home. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Not, not very exciting. <laughs> oh, it's good. It's very exciting. I need to get back into yoga. I, I always feel better if I do it at least once a week. Once but a week. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I'll just do off. basic stuff like mm-hmm. downward facing dog. And yes. Just some stretching just a couple and whatnot. minutes. That's a good way yeah. to, to wake up. Yeah. Just to keep your body stretched. I love it. Yeah. What about one thing, maybe this is exercise, I don't know, but one thing that you're working on or that you haven't quite implemented yet that you think would have a big impact on your health? Probably cutting back on coffee. Mm, mm-hmm. So I've been trying to mix it with yes. some decaf. Yeah. So that's <laughs> so that's the one thing. Yeah. Yes, I have my ups and downs with that as well. And I love coffee. And then, you know, of course, I've had to read that article that helps with liver health. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so organic. Right. So I'm like, okay. So I'm mixing it up with a little decaf and rag. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's good. All right. Last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? Healthy life is someone who is, um, I look at it like that your your body and health 
doesn't get in the way mm, of you yes. living the life you want and mm -hmm. doing the things that you want to do. Because some people feel like, well, they don't realize that whole thing of how bad they feel mm -hmm. until they feel good. Yes. So if being able to like have the best, um, if let's say you're working, the highest level capacity that you can work at and have the energy and mm -hmm. being able to be um, able to share things with people and and, and and I've had so many patients over so many years that um, we forget some of the limitations that not being healthy can mm -hmm. do to them mm -hmm. and limit their living. And so I, had, I, I was part of this, um, this obesity group that we were having. And one of the patients had said to me, I just want to be able to sit in a chair in a movie theater. Mm. And I went... Oh my goodness. It's yeah. like you take it for granted certain right. things that you're doing and you realize that that's a, just a basic thing about living. So you want to be able to be able to live the fullest life you can physically yes. and then mentally and emotionally. I love that. Yeah. That's what it's all about. And it's so true that, and to appreciate that, I think, to have the gratitude for the little things that we can do because we are able to and we're able to. Yeah. And, and I think too, making like trying not to take it too far because I think for some people, even once they start feeling healthy, can become so almost go the other way where they become so obsessed with doing perfect meditation and perfect exercise and perfect every single meal. And at that point, is that actually getting in the way of us enjoying our lives or living our lives? And so there is a balance. So funny, we had this uh, meditation um, expert come and talk okay. with us, and she was like, I don't want you to be perfect at meditation. <laughs> I want you to be as best as you can at life. Yes. And I love that. It was sort yes. of like, okay, no, no. You don't have to like do your mantra so hard that you get a migraine. <laughs> <laughs> You're defeating the purpose. <laughs> yes. And I thought, yeah, good point, good point. Right, yeah. right. Like, why are we doing all this anyways? It's so we can live our lives and be happy and healthy. And your purpose on life. Like, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. bring it forward. I love it. Well, perfect yeah. note to end on. Thank like you it. so much. Yeah, I really appreciate fun. talking with you and thank you for your leadership and the great example that you set. So. That's wonderful. Thanks, Julie. Right, bye. Hey there. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I love wrapping up these episodes lately with some of my takeaways from my conversation with each of the guests. So for this episode, one of the first takeaways that I had was, as Dr. Bradley talked about, she always starts with the premise that food is medicine. In other words, start with the roots at the bottom of the functional medicine tree. The roots of the functional medicine tree are things like nutrition, activity, sleep, stress, and relationships. And if we focus on optimizing all of these factors first, oftentimes our symptoms will fall away. The second point that I took away was from our conversation about speaking with others who maybe oppose a new idea or concept. And whether it's CrossFit, functional medicine, or something else, oftentimes these feelings come from a lack of education and understanding. And so the best way we can help to bring people around to new ideas is through education. Having the right information better enables individuals to understand the advantages, disadvantages, and value of something new. Third, as Dr. Belly suggests, if your symptoms aren't straightforward and conventional medicine isn't providing a solution, then a functional medicine approach may be helpful, but it doesn't have to be an either or. It should serve as a powerful adjunct to conventional care. And that's all I've got for you. I hope you had some great takeaways from this episode too. To make sure you never miss an episode and to receive exclusive content from me, head to my website, juliefouché.com and subscribe to my email list. 
If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe and consider giving the podcast a five-star rating on iTunes. Also, don't forget to share your stories. If you or someone you know has used lifestyle to overcome a serious health challenge, please send me an email at info at juliefouché.com. I'll choose some of these inspiring stories to share here on future episodes. Don't forget you can train with me through Beyond the Whiteboard by visiting trainwithjuliefouché.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and I'll catch you next time on Pursuing Health. Have you tried out Thrive Market yet? If not, you are definitely missing out. What are you waiting for? Thrive Market is an online marketplace on a mission to make healthy living easy and affordable for everyone. It allows you to shop for thousands of the best-selling non-GMO foods and natural products, always at 25 to 50% below retail prices. But as a Pursuing Health listener, you'll receive an additional 25% off your first purchase, plus a free 30-day trial if you visit www.thrivemarket.com forward slash ph. My husband Danny and I shop for our staple grocery items using Thrive Market. Things like nut butters, cooking oils, snacks, dressings, coffee and tea, personal care products, eco-friendly cleaning supplies, and non-toxic beauty products. It has helped us to stay on track with our busy schedules during medical training, and we know all their products are coming from a curated list that we can trust. So no matter what you're looking for, whether it's paleo, vegan, ketogenic, gluten-free, non-GMO, fair trade certified, or any of 80 plus other types of products, you can easily find them on the Thrive Market platform at prices 25 to 50% below retail. Even better, these items are shipped straight to your doorstep so you don't have to worry about the time or hassle of grocery shopping. Thrive Market's mission is to make healthy living easy and approachable to everyone, and this aligns perfectly with my own personal mission and that of pursuing health. Because it has been such a lifesaver for me, I wanted to share the benefits of Thrive Market with all of you, and they've responded with an amazing offer. So head to www.thrivemarket.com forward slash ph to receive 25% off your first purchase plus a free 30-day trial. Again, this is on top of their already 25 to 50% below retail prices. So why not try it out and do your grocery shopping from home this week? I hope you can take advantage of this offer and enjoy their service as much as I have. Once again, that website is thrivemarket.com forward slash ph to learn more. No discount code is necessary. Just shop around and the discount will be applied at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Siete Foods. You know, when you meet a group of people who are just so genuine that you can't help but treat them like old friends or family? Well, that's how I felt when meeting the Garza family, the founders of Siete Foods. Siete Foods is a healthy Mexican-American food brand that makes grain-free and paleo-friendly tortillas, tortilla chips, quesos, and hot sauce. My husband and his family first met the Garzas at PaleoFX several years ago, and they had an instant connection and have kept in touch ever since. Maybe it's their powerful origin story that makes them so relatable. Veronica Garza was facing a series of major health challenges as a teenager. Her entire family of seven jumped on board to help. Together, they adopted a low-inflammation, grain-free diet. But as a Mexican-American family living in South Texas, they couldn't imagine life without tortillas. And it wasn't long before Veronica came up with a delicious solution and Siete Foods was born. After years of enjoying their delicious, grain-free, dairy-free, and paleo-friendly tortillas, tortilla chips, queso, and hot sauces, I finally had the chance to meet the Garzas in person, and they immediately made me feel like a member of the family. Their passion for making the world a healthier place is contagious, and their generosity spreads to everyone they touch. 
I'm so excited to have Siete Foods as a sponsor of this episode. And if you're not already a fan of their products, I promise that you will be as soon as you try them. They've provided an exclusive discount for Pursuing Health listeners. Just use code JULIE when you check out on sietefoods.com to take advantage of their offer. Again, their website is sietefoods.com, S-I-E-T-E-F-O-O-D-S.com, and you can use code JULIE for 10% off your order. 